ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Pause Reviews Podcast. The podcast where Tim and I watch as much as humanly possible to try to sift through the crap and bring you things and options, choices, curated titles of movies so that you can have something awesome to watch tonight. As always, I'm your host, Frank, joined by my trusty co-host, Tim. If you, if you think about streaming services as if they were a buffet, I mean, I know mm. buffets are kind of a maybe a thing of the past now, but... Mm. You know, we've tried all of the food in the buffet. Right, right. And we're just going to, like, put a little star next to the ones you should eat. Yeah, it's basically the pudding. Yeah. There's nothing like buffet pudding. Or soft serve. Oh, dude. And a Chinese buffet? Yeah, where you get (laughs) No, where you get the... See, this is is how people can tell, right? Like, there's... Tim and I are kind of the reverse of many things, right? I'm sweet mocha brown. He's white. Yeah. I've got hair on the sides. He's got hair on the top. Yep. I'm fat. He's thin-ish. Yeah. Ish. <laughs> and he's thin by American Her. standards. Yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, and this is why, like, you're like, ooh, crab legs. Ooh, and I'm just like, those Chinese donuts, like the ah. Chinese food donuts with yeah. the pudding, bro, yeah. game changer. Yeah, yeah. Man, I used to be thin, too. Yeah. It's so funny, right? I used to eat like that, and I was like 4% body fat. Right. And now... I'd love to talk to my, like, even just 10 years ago self and be like, no, it's, it's going to happen. <laughs> I, you know what I would tell myself? I would just say, <laughs> well, 10 years ago, me wasn't much better. But, like, if I could go back to when I was awesome, I would just be like, make sure you look at yourself more. Like, yeah. just walk around yeah. shirtless more. Yeah. Because this is a treasure. Take yeah. more pictures. Yeah. And I like how I wouldn't say, keep it up, buddy. You need it for your health. It's worth it in the end. I would just be like, take a picture so when the inevitable happens, you've got something to look at. Wear less baseball hats because you're going to have a huge bald spot in the back soon. <laughs> is that true? Maybe that's I why I'm bald. No, that's, I, that's an old wives' tale, but I'm just saying like, you know, I would have appreciated that part of my my hair more now that it's dude. I had gone. flowing locks. Anyways, we're not here to talk about <laughs> our gorgeous hair before it all fell out or yeah. our tight waistbands before it all exploded. We're here to talk about another kind of explosion. God, that's a horrible transition. <laughs> No, we're uh, not talking about diarrhea. We're talking. I wish we're talking about uh, the Netflix original film, "The Siege of Jadotville." Yeah. And what are the specs? So this movie was released in 2016. Now it opened up in a film festival. It had a very limited run in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know we're not going to cover all the specs we normally do, right? Uh, budget doesn't really matter because we don't really have firm numbers or really accurate numbers to what this would have done. It's just not apples and apples, right? Like this is, this is just not normal. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but what we do know is it's rated TVMA because it's for a streaming service, right? Mm -hmm. So it's got the TV ratings on it, uh, released in 2016 and it's, it's a war drama. Um, Directed by Richie Smythe. So Richie Smythe has done this movie and then like U2 and the Verb videos. <laughs> He's a music video director who legitimately got the nod for this movie and hasn't done a movie since. That's crazy. At least, right? At least not that I could find. So it, I don't know. That's that's interesting to me that he, you know, it just sometimes you'll see like maybe this is the launch of a of a career. Maybe he's yeah, making right, a switch. Right. And also, right. too, maybe he's done some type of music videos. Who Like I could see, right, like a music video director doing Fast and the Furious, a mm-hmm. music video director doing like there's a certain genre of movie that you yep. could see those skills and that stylistic approach serving well cinematically. Sure. Yep. This is certainly not one of them. No, this is probably the furthest thing from a music video that uh, that you could possibly pull together. Now, he is Irish, 
right? He's done a lot of well, Irish band that videos. That. <laughs> so maybe this is something that's close to his heart, something that sure. he grew up with, whatever. But uh, but again, it's, you know, fascinating. Fascinating leap. Now, the screenplay is written by Kevin Broadbin. And Kevin Broadbin does have a few credits to his name. And I would say probably the two most recognizable titles of the, I don't know, four or five writing credits he has is The Glimmer Man and mm-hmm. uh, Constantine, the Keanu Reeves version. Oh, yeah. Let's see what else. Film is based on the book by Declan Powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Declan Powers is a career military guy. He served as, like, I don't know, Secretary of Defense or whatever in Ireland. Mm-hmm. So he wrote the book, The Siege of Jadotville, which is what the film is based on. And so, you know, again, if you're looking for more, that probably is a great read. As we've made abundantly clear, we don't read books. Right. So, <laughs> so we'll just stick to the movie for now. Um, Rotten Tomatoes. I was surprised. Yeah. Like, genuinely surprised. Uh, another classic situation where the audience score is a little bit higher than the critic score, but the critic score is 64% for this movie. Audience score 74%, which I feel like is closer to the low end of what I would expect. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, we'll kind of get into it a little bit, but I, I the yeah. quality is there for me for sure, especially considering that this is a Netflix original. Um, especially again on the heels of covering a Netflix original last week um, in the rewind episode in Army of the Dead. Oof! Yeah, that one yeah. was rough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes, and I think you're right. I think as we discuss and break down this movie a little bit, it will. I think we'll highlight a few reasons as to why critics mm-hmm. probably weren't feeling it as much and perhaps why i mean this is i would argue a perfect example where if you are the type of person who only goes off critic scores Uh you're uh you're gonna do yourself a disservice on this one yeah i mean if if you are are basing it off of that maybe basing it off reviews although some reviews are, are were actually more positive than others um or even you know, maybe finding this buried on down the list of, of Netflix and you just kind of, it looks, you know, the cover has got Jamie, uh, Dorn doing his, you know, just kind of Dornan, Yeah. Doing his, uh, kind of brooding, I'm holding a big gun kind of look like looks a fairly unassuming kind of movie. Yeah. You know what? It's so funny that you say that like at first glance, this certainly feels like a second or third tier Netflix original movie. Yeah. And and kind of one of those things like, man, did they sneak Jamie Dornan in before he became Jamie Dornan? Like Yeah. Right? Right. But uh it it is. It's such a, it's kind of an unassuming movie just sort of sitting there. Um and it's not one that gets a lot of billing when Netflix does, as they rarely do, talk about you know, sort of yeah. their the, their prouder moments, their bigger titles, whatever. Um, but this movie is is certainly something special, and and not second tier at all. I would argue this is among Netflix's best original programming. Yeah, ultimately, I was really shocked. I guess I mean, shocked might be strong, but like reminding myself, especially as you got into the heavy battle scenes, not that they're huge by any war movie standard. We're not talking like, you know, the opening scenes of private Ryan or Pearl Harbor or something like that. Right. But I kind of had to be like, this is a Netflix movie, right? Like there was just a, there was a quality to it that I wasn't seeing again, going back last week, army of the dead. Yes. There was a lot of money and big names attached to it, but the, the, the makeup, was the makeup was was lousy the you know the the zombies mm. were unimpressive uh yeah you know the 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 visual effects weren't anything to write home about um i didn't feel like there was any drawback to this and the acting in this is is, is superb again compared to the garbage that we saw last week you know Dornan and uh, the who's the other um, Jason O'Mara? Yeah, they you know they're the biggest names in this, but 
it does not suffer from a lack uh, well, of acting chops. Mark Strong. Mark Strong. That's that's who I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't suffer. It, you know, you, you, there's not once in this movie I'm like, oh, where'd they get these guys? Right? Like they were all very quality uh, in, in the roles that they played. No, I completely and totally agree. So let's dive in. And as always, word of warning, spoiler alert. If you haven't seen the movie yet, you don't dig spoilers, go see it. (laughs) And then come back because we're going to talk about some stuff. Um, All right. So what is this movie about? The IMDb synopsis is Irish Commandant Pat Quinlan leads a standoff with troops against French and Belgian mercenaries did I say that right? Leads a standoff with yeah, yeah. <laughs> Leads yep. Frank Reed good. <laughs> Irish <laughs> Irish commandant Pat Quinlan leads a standoff with troops against French and Belgian mercenaries in the Congo during the early 1960s. Um, essentially, we are dropped into a narrative where we see the province, the the area, the region mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. Uh, Katanga. In the Congo, the Democratic Republic of Congo has uh, made, you know, has has exercised a coup, right? And to try to secede from the Congo and establish themselves as their own independent country, their own independent power, uh, because they are mineral rich, right? So out of all of Africa, out of all of the Congo, out of all the world, you find uh, the highest concentrations of essentially every mineral on earth, including... Uh, including um, uranium, which yep. is used to create all of our weapons of mass destruction. How does specifically, that come- specifically the two bombs used to end World War II right. by the American forces? Exactly. So the bombs dropped on Japan were made with uranium mined in the Congo and yep. particularly in the Katanga region. Yep. Why is this so critical, so important? This takes place in 1961. Uh, so the U.S. and the USSR are in the throes of the Cold War, the yep. arms race, the nuclearization of the world, mm-hmm. and the Congo, and particularly Katanga, holds the ma- the greatest, biggest, epicest vein <laughs> yep. of uranium in the world. So, so if you're not seeing dollar signs, you're not following a loss. Right. So... You know, and and keep that in mind because we're gonna circle back to that when we give some critiques of of areas of this movie that could have been yep. done much better. Yep. So so now that there's civil unrest and there is this this uh, bubbling civil war just on the brink in Congo, the newly established and by newly right a couple of years in existence, mm-hmm. maybe a decade mm-hmm. or so, um, yep. but you know certainly not on the world stage quite yet as they are today, but the UN steps in to send a peacekeeping mission into the Congo to try to uh, keep things from boiling over. And the troops selected to be that force are the Mm -hmm. Irish army. The Irish army is newly formed. The Irish have recently gained independence from the UK and so, mm-hmm. while Irish shoulders, shoulders, Irish shoulders, shoulders yeah. <laughs> while, while Irish soldiers, mm-hmm. <laughs> like Folgers, yeah. uh, while Irish soldiers have served in all the world wars and in all combat that the UK has been a part of, mm-hmm. this will be the first time that the Irish army goes on an international deployment as their own independent armed force. And so uh, we come into the story, uh, Jamie Dornan plays the commandant of this force, Uh, Jason O'Mara is his lieutenant and second Mm -hmm. in command, and uh, Mark Strong plays an Irish, I don't know what, for the UN? Yeah, he was some sort of delicate, I guess, that was then tapped by the the secretary general to be the man on the ground um, right he's kind of the he's the brains behind the operation in the congo yeah you you get a, a sense you know as you said like this is very you know this is in the infancy of the un and they're still trying to figure out exactly how they operate in 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 these world theaters and what their role is and how much they can affect the outcome of things. Um, 
it almost feels nefarious. <laughs> and they make a strong play for that, right? Yes. This movie yeah. really villainizes, and arguably rightfully so, mm-hmm. uh, really villainizes Mark Strong's character as well as the general who is his kind of minion on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to really play up the injustice that was done to this Irish uh, regiment, this Irish yep. company. Yep. And, and so, you know, so speaking of the injustice and all these kind of things, this movie is, well, this movie wants to be a lot of things, right? There's yes. political theater there. There is, you know, certainly a, a political drama, a, um, you know, this, just this whole notion of, of, uh, of the Cold War and the time and place and, and what's at stake and what's on the mm-hmm. table, right? Mm-hmm. But rather than focusing on the game as a whole or even much at all, this movie really narrows its focus on these, this particular story and the achievements of this Irish company, A Company, uh, on the ground in the town of Jadetville which is one of the major towns in Katanga. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I, you, you threw this one out there. We hadn't done a fact versus fiction in a while, right? The based right. on true story. Um, you know, how much does this get right? Um, so I was like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. And I literally went into this with nothing. I knew the name and we, we talked briefly and I settled in and probably 10, 15 minutes in, at least, you know, by the time we met a company and, and the Irish uh, soldiers, <laughs> no, I can't say it. I believe it's pronounced shoulders, Tim. I believe that's the Gaelic pronunciation. <laughs> that's, it's, I'm, I'm stuck with it now. Um, and now all I can picture is the, like, the beige Ireland the band like, bands that yeah. they wore on their shoulders. Oh, God damn it. Uh, anyway. On their soldiers, Tim. <laughs> Anyway, I knew almost immediately, I was like, oh, I'm going to love this because this yeah. this has got some classic setup for me in terms of military movies that I like, right? It, it's that ragtag or unseasoned group of men that are put into an untenable situation and, you know, they're going to fight to the bitter end. This was... Um, you know, if you've seen the 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 '90s movie Gettysburg, uh, the, that hours hours long epic at the end of what is generally considered the first part is uh, the the Battle of Little Round Top, where um, Jeff Daniels plays uh, Lawrence Chamberlain, the last line of the Union Army, uh, and and he cannot withdraw from the top of Little Round Top or Gettysburg, and therefore many considered the union to be lost um and they 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 charge down the mountain with bayonets drawn because they run out of ammunition because the because the the confederate soldiers charged them so many times um the you know the end of any movie that's the alamo right uh, particularly for me the the disney uh davy crockett king of the wild frontier where you have fess parker swinging his gun wildly as the mexican troops pour up the steps you know and, and slaughter everyone around him it's those against all odds moments um just you know i i just have a soft spot for those movies like there's just there's something in it so i was Hooked from that from the beginning. So I think that's the perfect segue into what is this movie? This movie is based on actual events. Yeah. And to go a step further, when it comes to the actual combat moments and and that narrative in this movie is spot on. Like to you know probably arguably one of the most historically accurate representations of a battle. Uh, that that have probably ever been put on film, and that is because so many of the men who were there are still surviving. There yep. were lots of records of what had happened, and mm-hmm. and so uh, a lot really went in. A lot of care and love and attention went into telling this story. Why is this siege so important? Right? We talked a little bit about the background and the theater of it, but why this in particular? Again, these Irish troops were totally green to battle as their yeah. own independent uh, force. Yeah. And and we are, and I apologize because I didn't really look it up, but my understanding is the Commandant himself, Commandant Quinlan, is mm-hmm. also 
not really they none of them have been tested in battle yet right right so i mean a couple a couple of these guys were uh not even of age to serve some of them had falsified their their birth certificates and were actually like 15 15 and a half years old right. so <laughs> consider that they, they are 15 and a half years old being sent from ireland probably have never left ireland and they're going to the congo like seriously <laughs> right so the irish troops hit the ground and immediately in jadotville are met with horrible conditions right they're uh you know their post right their mm-hmm. outpost mm-hmm. is dilapidated there are no provisions there is they have nothing the weapons are outdated ammunition is scarce state of the art for world war Two, <laughs> right and so they 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 inherit a bad situation they're yeah. exposed on all sides there's 157 men who yeah. are sent to this post and uh, ordered to hold it as the mining companies and the other companies who are moving and pushing to protect the interests of the mine and uh, Katanga's independence so mm-hmm. that they can make bargains and deals and, and keep things commercial, right? To yep. bring in money and, and stuff for their resources. The UN, much like the Congo, is trying to maintain order and the previous administration, which was to... Uh, to not privatize, but to keep the mines and the resources of the Congo for the Congo. Um, And so that is an immediate threat to these mining companies who are trying to be there and make money. So they hire these mercenaries to come, and it is made clear that the UN troops are not wanted there. Yep. And uh, and so the siege begins. Um, These these mercenaries and the Congonese sort of, uh, you know, Rebels, right? Essentially, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. they just the come. The loyalists, right? So they yep. they come in waves to Jadotville and uh, trying to kill off these guys. And 157 Irish soldiers fended off 3,000 yep. mercenaries and enemy troops um, while suffering zero casualties, while taking nice. 300 lives. Yep. And uh, they held it for days without provision, without reinforcement, until mm-hmm. they ran out of ammunition and they yep. ran out of water yep. and could no longer hold the defense and uh, and surrendered. Now, this act of surrender uh, leaves the Irish not seen as heroes, mm-hmm. right? It made the, the whole situation, and there's a whole lot of other things that play into this, but the UN comes out of this looking horrible. Yep. Uh, the Irish come out as cowards, and yep. so everything is swept under the rug. From 1961 until 2005, the men involved in this heroic stand are treated as cowards. They're called the Jadotville Jacks, and uh, you know everything that they've done is swept under the rug. They receive no medals. They receive right. no commendations. They receive no anything. And it mm-hmm. isn't until 2005 when the Irish government recognizes i guess they go back and reevaluate things they (laughs) they find them without fault right like great thanks we needed that we knew we weren't (laughs) you idiots and uh and and then they are finally treated as heroes and given a plaque outside their military institution in this movie (laughs) not only that i mean they're they they talk about Quinlan's actions are cited in military textbooks now all over the world as examples of, of, of certain types of, of military defense, um, you know, in unenviable situations like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, a bunch of these guys died before they were ever vindicated for what they went through, all to save face for the UN, right? They were all just kind of thrown under the bus for the way that the UN mishandles that. And you see that mishandling of the, 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 the beginning of these operations in, in the opening, um, you know, half hour of this movie. Absolutely. So let's start zeroing in on a few things. Number one, yeah. let's focus on the good. What makes this movie good? What works? You yeah. mentioned a couple of things. I, I heard production value, mm-hmm. uh, you know, et cetera. So let's jump off with you, Tim. Yeah. What works in this movie? Um, I think you've, I mean, first off, you've got a story, right? A story that, that needs to be told. So compelling. 
and it is an absolutely compelling story. Like I said, you, 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 I'm, I was hooked from the minute you've got these underdogs that are up against these, um, these horrible situations. And in a time where we're very familiar with the way that geopolitical things play out and, and you're not doing the moral or, you know, the, the right thing with your resources, right. You're essentially sacrificing these 150 some men, um, you know, for, for the greater good of this operation or whatever, you know, there's just, there's so much in that. There's so much heart in that. There's so much emotion in that. I was very wrapped up in that, um, Mm. this story by the end. Um, I think you had told me you're going to prepare to be mad. And I was, I was so angry because, you know, these, these men, were honored to do this job, right? Ireland was chosen to do this because they 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 said they're they're not a nation of conquerors, right? They're they're not a nation that has ever set to own another nation, or, or and so they are, you know, they are peacekeepers. They that's where we're going to get our peacekeeping forces from, and they are mm-hmm. sent to do this, you know, a noble job, and they're not wanted there, and they're just left to fend for themselves. A, against an army that seemingly has every advantage. They have a, an old uh, jet plane. They have major artillery. They have bazookas. <laughs> like, they are outmanned and outgunned to a T. And so you just you just get wrapped up in the heart of this story. And you know how this is going to end, but I don't think it ends the way that you expect it to, right? Mm. And again, spoilers... I very much am seeing these young guys, you know, there's some scenes of them in a bar early on and they're kind of carrying on their first morning, waking up on the roof of their, their barracks in, in Africa. And, and you're like, Oh, they're all going to be dead soon. Like they're all going <laughs> to get wiped out. They're going to go the way of Davy Crockett, right? Like there, there'll be nobody left at the Alamo or 300. Right. Exactly. There'll be none left. They all make it. It, it is super Every surprising. Single one. No cas- injuries. Yes. Yeah, no casualties, and that sort of goes against your brain as a movie watching person, right? You're like, you, you're just so convinced that half of these guys have to die, right? Because that's how you write a movie, right? Mm-hmm. Attach, you know, get attached to some of these guys, and none of them die. Like it's stranger than fiction, right? Like it truly is. Yeah, um, and so a great story, um, and yeah, production value wise, like I, I never once felt like I was watching anything but a first-rate, you know, Netflix movie. And that even sounds derogatory when I say Netflix movie. I, I, yeah, you know, it if I, sounds like a bit of a qualified. It's like, yeah, it's right. The, the Flight of the Concord song, uh, right. You're the Most Beautiful Girl in the Room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's right, like, right, this is the right. greatest movie Netflix has made. <laughs> right, right. And that, that sounds so derogatory. And I don't mean that because I... I you know, if you had seen this when it came out, you know, it, uh, it had a limited run, but it also premiered at um, the uh, Irish Film Edith- Festival, the Galway yeah, Film Festival, the Galway. I was going to say Edinburgh. That's a fringe festival. Um, and it's in Scotland, Tim. Yeah, that's true. Um, Scotland's makes- a different place. <laughs> that's where shoulders come Completely. from. <laughs> <laughs> um, How many countries that- are in this country? <laughs> There were so many countries in this movie that were fighting each other that I didn't think should be fighting each other. I'm very confused. Um, <laughs> like the Belgians and the is French. Is he went. French? What, <laughs> what is happening? Why are um, the French everywhere? <laughs> except their own country. Um, but it, it's it's it. What I, I like I said. I, is I that don't Colonel feel- Sanders? <laughs> Dude, if you watch the movie, you'll get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Mama says. Um, anyway. <laughs> uh, but no, the, it just it you get you get a good movie, and it's it's very surprising coming from where it's coming from. And again, off the heels of something we watched last week, that was just the bottom of the barrel in terms of Netflix produced movies. Right? I don't know. Holiday um, was there too. That's true. That's very, very true. Um, What was my third? What was the third thing? I don't know. Production value? I would say acting. Yeah, yes. I mean, I don't know if I'm not saying that was your third thing, but for me, that was, you know, you you talked, you touched on the compelling storyline. Given, right? A given. 
this is this is one of those things that when you hear about it like if you yeah. listen to a podcast and you hear this story or you read a a magazine article or a news article or whatever and and some some story you've never heard before and all of a sudden what's the first thing you say you say like wow how is there not a movie about that right right that right. is this story right yep. somebody finally heard about it and was like how is this not a movie? And it makes the movie and it plays out. I mean, production value is excellent. And I would say certainly among the best that Netflix has. Um, but arguably, it stands up to, to almost any other wartime drama. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so it is, it's, it's stunning in that regard. Um, you know, you talked about, this, you know, the storyline and that kind of stuff. Or, well, that's kind of what we said, right? The, the yeah. compelling nature of the story, yeah. that almost writes itself. Um, then you talk about, because they're really just telling you what these men actually did, which was yeah. nothing short of <laughs> pure heroism. And again, I, I want to touch, you touched on it, but I just want to emphasize this. The, this movie and the book, they, they like are ripped from the logs that they kept, right? Oh, yeah. There's a scene in the movie where they talk about um, because of the the lack of response they're getting from the general and um, the UN high command. Quinlan says, "From now on, everything that is said is written down. So everything, every step of the way, every communique that they have is." word for word notated so this is not straight from the truth at all this is written down as it happened and this is this is key because right like obviously if the un is trying to hide this and and ireland is embarrassed uh this log was smuggled out i believe by the radio operator himself and so that log existed among the troop so that when this was time to be made uh I, I think it was the author maybe even the director had reached out um to just say hey man if you guys have any information that would help us to really tell this honestly whatever they provided them with the radio log and yeah. so uh again so much love and care given to this portrayal and then we talk about the acting and we'll lump the casting into that as well yeah the irish troops um i mean with the exception of mark strong he plays an irishman but Jason O'Mara, uh, um, uh, what's his face? <laughs> Damn, what's his name? What's what's uh, Fifty Shades of Grey? Jamie Dornan. Jamie Dornan. <laughs> Jason O'Mara, Jamie Dornan, top tier Irish actors who mm-hmm. came in to tell an Irish story of heroism. Uh, an Irish director who comes in, man, I'm assuming that I think it's true. <laughs> we'll have an errors and omissions if it's not. Right. But these are Ireland's native sons coming together to tell a story about Ireland's greatest heroes, arguably, in one of their most heroic moments that has been uh, a sense of that has just been this shame on the country, but not because of their actions, but because of how it was handled to bring mm-hmm. light to this, to shed truth on this, to shed light, right? I've mixed that up, but to bring truth in there to shed light, right? This is, you can feel the care, attention and love that is paid to the story. It comes through, it comes through the words. It comes through the filmmaking. It, it yeah. you know, this director is not a film director and it doesn't right. hinder it. It is, solely because you can really feel everyone involved believe that this is a story that needed to be told and that influenced all of it but the acting is stellar you hate mark strong mm-hmm. because he's a total bag of dicks right yep. and you are riv- you're glued to the screen when dornan mm-hmm. and omara are on screen Absolutely. And, and handling uh these unma- unimaginable odds even um, the um, even the opposition uh, general Sambe, uh, he's so he he's so charismatic. I, that's and, exactly like, the word I was thinking. You don't even hate him; like he's kind of funny and charming. But you also hate Mark Strong African so man. much, yeah. Yes, yeah. that you're like, yep. dude, this guy looks like a good guy compared to the UN. Exactly, exactly, and I, and I think one of the cool things. Um, and I don't, you know, I, I don't know if this is what landed him the role solely, but um, Quinlan's 
actual son said that uh, Dornan bore an uncanny resemblance to him and got everything about him right with the exception of his accent. Uh, and that's simply because uh, his accent was so thick uh, with a what they call a carry accent um, that they, they would have needed to subtitle him had he actually like tried to replicate the actual accent. Yeah, but Quinlan his, famously his own, had a crazy yeah. accent. But his own son said that he was an uncanny resemblance to him. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's wishful thinking. He looks just like my dad, and I look just like my dad. Uh, hashtag, I'm Jamie Dornan, ladies. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's true. And now Jamie Dornan is Northern Irish, right? So he's, you know, the accent is slightly different. Um, but uh, anyways, again, it's absolutely amazing. Another fun fact, since we're talking about casting, uh, Pat Quinlan's, com- Commandant Quinlan's uh, grandson mm-hmm. is, uh, is one of the soldiers in this movie, Connor yep. Quinlan. So that's, yep. uh, that's kind of a fun fact. Now, yes. um, so uh, all this stuff is the stuff that works, the stuff that makes yep. this movie so incredible and magical. And I want to be clear before we kind of shift gears into the last two things that we want to talk about, which is maybe what doesn't work, and then also fact versus fiction. How close does yep. this come to accuracy? Um, I want to make clear that this movie is excellent yes. <laughs> and and absolutely worth your watch. Yep. And with that, what doesn't work? I think for me, and and I'll throw this to you, Tim, and you let me know yeah. what you think. I think that as much care and attention as was paid to the story of the siege itself, mm-hmm. right? It felt very much like they exhausted all resources there and paid very little attention to the bigger picture and the bigger story and the why, right? Mm-hmm. You could easily find yourself watching this movie totally gobsmacked, mesmerized, and captivated by the story of Commandant Quinlan and his men and what they accomplished on that battlefield. But you will find yourself, I would argue, you would find yourself asking yourself, why? Why is this even happening? Why are they there? Why is this a big deal? Why are these men trying to kill them? You are, right, if you watch this movie and you pay attention, the answers are there through exposition, subtext, and sometimes straight-up on-screen text. Yep. But it isn't really built up and and sort of put front and center to really ground this movie. I think this movie, as I said earlier, it's try, it, it tries to be or thinks it is many things, and, and many of those things is what it should have been. What yes. it ends up feeling like at times is an untethered war drama with these incredible scenes uh you know in the combat scenes yep. and and very captivating acting amongst the soldiers but then a very disjointed narrative outside of that which really ground the movie and give it its purpose and yep. and I think that being lost is a real shame because this movie is not only captivating because of what these men did it's also fascinating by why they had to do what they did and all the things that played into this. The world's superpowers mm-hmm. competing, essentially, leaving these men out to dry, not wanting to overcommit themselves because, right, as much as the U.S. or Russia don't want civil war in the Congo and don't want to have to risk their men to maintain peace and et cetera, they're super biased. Yes. They also they like the unrest and they don't want the Congo to take those minerals off the table because... We're buying 70% of them, right? It mm-hmm. makes up 80% of our minerals in the United States, and et cetera, et cetera, right? So there's, there's so much political intrigue that is, uh, that is ignored and, as, and, and kind of put forth as an afterthought. And I think as a result as well, when the battle is over, the movie just sort of fizzles out. Yeah, you you lose a lot of steam. I mean, you lose all steam essentially. We 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 are we are left with just a few minutes of of narration uh over a few scenes uh and this wasn't the end of their story. It was this was the end of their biggest story. They saw a few more months of combat. They did a right. full 6 month to- 6 month tour. They spent about 5 of that in jail. 
Um, but this was five the first weeks, five weeks, five weeks in jail. In, in jail. Um, and they, you know, th- this was the first, th- the siege was the first couple of days, you know, that they were, they were in Jadotville. Um, but they saw more battles after this. They saw more fighting as this, you know, unrest, um, continued yeah Yeah, they you know they were a part of a prisoner exchange they played out some more um until they were eventually replaced and sent home in in december but they were there starting in september and um it, it there is more on a grand geopolitical scale and i would have liked to have seen how more of this plays out you get some of the postscript you know that, that kind of gives you a rundown of what happened but i would have liked to have seen a little bit more of general sambe you know get, getting run out of town and uh, you know getting uh, getting his um and it, we're just kind of left hanging like like they told the story they wanted to tell and they were done with it and that is not necessarily a bad thing sure because again they told that story very very well but as a movie this is one of those situations where i could appreciate a little bit more hollywoodization of the story right just a little padding Give me a little bit more. Well, a little, what you want is a little bit more context. Yeah. And, yeah, and you want to yeah. set the world a little bit. And you yep. want to really understand, right? Like when we go to sit down and watch a movie, it's it's great to see the hero do the hero's mm-hmm. work. Yeah. Right? But what adds that compelling element is to know why. Why yep. is this conflict happening? Why is this hero facing these obstacles? I was, and I was sort of only kidding. I wasn't exactly kidding before when I was laughing about not knowing the, all these. Like, why are we? Why? Why we? As in the UN or the story that we're following in this case? Right. Why is the UN fighting French-backed mercenaries? Didn't the you know the the Irish and the Allies fight with the French in World War Two? Not you know ten years earlier than this, like. Mm why is Belgium against the UN forces at this point? Like, you know, Russia plays well, because a the weak- UN is against Belgium's interests in uh, the yeah, Congo. Right? And that's so- exactly it is like, you know, you, you, I think, I think the, the production team involved in this, they really zeroed in. Right. Mm-hmm. As I said, as much as can be said for homegrown Hollywood folk, Telling a homegrown story and shedding light on this injustice, um, not a lot was not a lot of care and attention was given outside of that specific targeted view, mm-hmm. and and that is and again, like you said, that is the main point, right? To yeah. really bring these men into the forefront and and put them on display for what they did. Yep. However, the context it adds to why it was so important, so amazing. Everything was working against them. Not just their ill provisions and all this kind of stuff, but the UN is working against because the UN is in a delicate balance of trying to yes. establish themselves in the world. And, yep. and the US is against them without being against, right? But they're indifferent because they don't want to overstep because they don't want to hurt their own interests. But at the same time, they also need to, right? And all of this, it, it it makes the odds against them even more insurmountable. Right now, the focus is like, man, this 157 guys had to take on 3,000. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's super tough. But they were effectively taking on the freaking world, right? Yeah. Everything that could be working against them was. And that's lost. And in a lot of ways, this movie ends up feeling like, like parents who have kids and don't focus on themselves because they're so hyper-focused on the kids. And then when the kids leave, they have nothing else to talk about. <laughs> and this movie felt like once the story of the Siege of Jadotville ended, they didn't know what else to talk about and they mm-hmm. didn't wrap it up well. It just fizzles. It feels rushed in the end, yep. right? Yep. It's it's almost like yeah they go to jail but that seems like a minor inconvenience 
Yep. Right? They come out of there, they're just as happy, healthy, clean shaven as when they went in. And yep. then they're home, you know, general gets punched in the face, everyone salutes Jamie Dornan, and that's great. But there was there's more, right? Yeah. What about more of the aftermath? What happens in the Congo? How you know, there's just there's when you're gonna put forth a story like this, you gotta tie up the ends. And I feel like that's where this movie well, lacks. And and ultimately I to, to kind of put a point on that we just don't have the benefit of the context that we have as if this was set in world war ii or the american civil war or the revolution where like absolutely i know who the bad guys are i know who the good guys are i know how this ends in the end you can throw me into a snapshot because i've got all the pieces already set there was a, i i did have to rewind a couple times there's a scene between Sambe and a Belgian general, and he's like, <laughs> I uh, think he was a yeah, Belgian The confidence general. is dripping. Well, and I had to rewatch it a couple of times because I wasn't sure what was happening. There. And it sounds like you like, need to watch it one more time. Right? And I was <laughs> like, I, I rewound it at least twice when I first watched it, and then I've watched the movie fully a third time. And I'm like, who are they? Like, who? Like, what is the deal that he's making here? Because I just, I don't have those pieces in play. Right. And, you know, and again, the infancy of the UN and their actions feeling very nefarious in this. And, you know, Russia pops up a little bit in the UN. And I just not sure where everybody's coming from. And then you throw in other major events like the, the, the UN secretary, the secretary general of the UN's plane gets shot down. And like, that feels like a big moment in and of itself. And that's just kind of brushed over. Like that doesn't seem like something that should happen. (laughs) Right now. And what's interesting is now it does happen in the course of these events. And, and I think this is the perfect segue into the fact first fiction section, but, but also to tie it in with one more thing that I think does this movie a disservice. And that is the, the characterization and the handling of uh, who is called General Shambay uh, yeah. in the movie, um, yeah. you know, and, and to kind of speak to how, how accurate is this? We talked about the siege elements themselves being highly accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of the other exterior context, it really plays Sambay and this whole situation in Congo as this stereotypical you know, African warlord coup, right? Yeah. So we open up with uh, General Sambe kidnapping, which, again, you don't even really have the context as to who this person is. And but, I don't think I realized this until my second watch through who this guy was. Right. So this is the president of the Congo, or the prime minister of the Congo. I forget exactly what the title is. Yep. And he is kidnapped by Sambe, who takes him into a, a gr- you know, gross little, you know, ramshackle like underground lair and has his belgian you know colonel Colonel sanders Sanders. minion (laughs) execute him so that he can take control um you know that that's not how that plays out right so now he does have him kidnapped he's held for months and then Mm -hmm. is executed by firing squad we'll get to why that's an important tidbit in just a second additionally they show the uh the secretary general of the un's plane going down the implication is is that it goes down in the congo and mm-hmm. is ordered to be shot down by general sambe yep. we see the plane the jet pull in behind it etc cetera, etc cetera. there is no evidence that that happened in fact the secretary general's plane which did go down went down in rhodesia not mm. in the Congo. There has mm-hmm. never been any evidence that it was shot down, certainly not by a plane. It has always been unclear as to why it went down because I think not enough was discovered or found in order mm-hmm. to make a definitive solution. I am not saying that it didn't happen, right? right? Because all that maybe has, you know, some nefarious things, you know, uh, you know, it, it certainly alludes to that. Yeah. But to really go hard into you know there's even a there's a scene it cuts to when that happens you see the fighter jet pull in behind it the the plane goes down and then it cuts to sambe immediately and he's like mm-hmm. let's see what you do now right yeah. it made it really sound like he was the hand that moved that um in you know into happening and, yeah. and that's just not necessarily the case lastly 
General Sambe, he is not a general. Now, that doesn't mean he wouldn't assume that title, right? But he didn't. He never served in the military. He was never a general. At no point during his coup for power did he ever refer to himself as General Sambe. In fact, he only ever called himself President Sambe or primary president, whatever the title was, but eventually Mm -hmm. just president. And that is important because... All of these things play together to really oversimplify the narrative that this is just some other African warlord seizing power from a democracy, you know, to become his own dictator and not the case at all. This is actually a political coup, a political maneuver, a political uh, civil war amongst two politicians who differ to the point where one of them is just trying to seize power. Now, yeah. yes, that's a militaristic approach and and, yep. and and whatever. But again, like why oversimplify it and pander to this stereotype that African nations are only capable of these warlord guerrilla tactics when in reality this was a very thought out, meticulous, you know, you know, and, and and meticulously executed plot yes. get from of one government against another, akin to our own civil war. Like we wouldn't say that, you know, the uh, the Confederate forces were you know these jungle warlords who come in. Right. No, like this was a, a planned and established secession. And he even, I mean, his depiction in the movie even contradicts him his categorization or his his identification as a general right Mm. like i just when you think of an african warlord i'm thinking more like military fatigues more like the soldiers right that you saw fighting in the battles right right? you know military fatigues maybe wearing a bunch of uh you know ammo belts or something like that being a little bit more violent He's not. He's very much a politician. He's very charismatic, as I said. He's very well-spoken. He's not violent. We never really see him. I don't think we see him get violent at all. So well, except when really, he orders the execution of the president. and Yeah, but he's not per, He's not perpetuating violence from his own two fists, right? Oh, like, interesting. Yeah, I see what you, you mean. You know, like, he's not – he's he's not doing it. <laughs> so, you know, I it just did not – I struggled with him, you know, with that character. Why? Why call him a general, right? Like, I don't... Even the meeting, when he meets with Mark Strong's character, they do this one-on-one, and it... The movie even puts you in a place where you think, like, dude, Mark Strong is going to get killed because he's going to go meet this warlord guy. Right. And the meeting is actually eerily diplomatic in the sense of like here's what i want okay you're not willing to do that well here's what you've done i'm gonna keep yep. right it's all very political the fact, that the, the fact that the irish uh soldiers are not executed on site after killing 300 of his you know loyalist soldiers and and french mercenaries the fact that they're they're allowed to remain in jail because ultimately, there's feelings that this whole idea, this whole thing, was a ploy, right? Like, was they, mm. he, they wanted to capture them? They never wanted to kill them, as they wanted to use them as political pawns, right, to get their own guys back or to get leverage against the UN forces. So, and, and enough of it, that just isn't made clear. Yeah, yeah. And exactly. I think, and so with all that in mind, right? I think you can start to understand why critics maybe didn't give this as high a rating as one would expect simply because while this movie gorgeously executes one aspect of it, it really falls short in the other, you know, third, two thirds, which doesn't sound like much, a third of a movie, but that's substantial when you're talking about a three act structure. And you, you know, and so I think that this is, I, I will say this, and I will end with this, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I, again, you can understand where the critics are coming from because I think they make a valid point. Perhaps they're seeing this as, like, a very well-executed war drama. Mm-hmm. Well, no. It, it's a very well-executed battle sequence. Yes. Yeah. But a poorly executed overall wartime drama mm, because yeah. the drama falls short because you're not really setting that stage. I yes. will say this. This movie, 
achieves and accomplishes its primary goal, even if yep. it's at the expense of a almost as important secondary goal. But that primary storyline is so compelling, mm-hmm. so riveting, yep. so incredibly and beautifully acted, so you are so invested and and totally just you are sucked in yeah. to this horrific injustice that was done to these soldiers that it more than makes up for the shortcomings of the the other elements we just discussed and yeah. arguably i think it teeters the scales in favor of the movie enough that this is an excellent watch um Mm -hmm. you know i so critics give it a 64 percent i would err much higher and much closer to the audience score which i believe to be more accurate of the film overall and i'd give this movie a seven and a half out of ten yeah i think that's fair i would agree um so let's let let, let's let's pull it home with a little uh you know fact first fiction i thought i just did that tim did we did i think did we, did we officially <laughs> touch on all that <laughs> i don't know what did, so what did we miss what else so let, so let's just let's just hammer that point home let, let's let's be clear um we mentioned that all of this was pulled from the locks right like right? so a lot of this and i find it funny that one of the uh, uh one of the reviews says that the, the dialogue was cliche well i'm guessing a lot of that dialogue is, is you know maybe not so cliche it's cliche like slash just how real. people talk in yeah. these situations yeah um you know with in regards to the actual siege um i listened to a podcast where they interviewed some of these guys um you know some of the soldiers and they are you know this was pre-movie but um you know, based on what they were saying, spot on, you know, down to, you know, the timing of everything and and how things played out Um, a little, you know, we talked about, um, you know, Sean Bay not being a general, Um, the whole plane crash, the plane didn't even crash until the, like the day after the siege had ended. Mm -hmm. Um, The, the, um, it was either the right after they surrendered or, or, or there, thereafter. Um, but not, uh, you know, at any part uh, in f- affecting this. Um, more, uh, there is some reports that they did try to send uh, more reinforcements than we see in the movie sent to the front, um, significantly more. Um, but they're just never able to make it because they were repulsed and they had to really, there's this one bridge uh, that if was well defended, um, nobody could get over it. We see that play out a little bit in the movie, but we're led to believe that they only ever attempted to send them thirty men. But it right, sounds like, like it was smattering. Thing. Yeah, yeah. They, it sounds like they tried to send them uh, at different times upwards of three hundred men, um, a mix of um, other forces that were in, not just Irish, but including Indian and. Um, and uh, Swedish, I think, uh, as well. Well, and there so, was also, it wasn't made clear in the movie, but when the Irish troops did arrive at Janetville, like that day, there were two other companies of yeah. soldiers at yep. that outpost, and yep. they, for unknown reasons to this day, were pulled out, and mm-hmm. only the 157 were sent back in. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, again, if, if they are comparable in number, right, we should have been, you know, pushing 500 men at yeah. the siege of Jadaville when really we were only at 157. Yeah. So ultimately, because of the, the fact that this movie was made really in, in major part to, you know, tell their story and exonerate these men and get them the recognition that they, they deserved, this movie's pretty much spot on, you know, a little bit of license. Sure. And again, ultimately I argue that we could have Hollywoodized it a little bit, given it a little bit more padding, maybe built up a little bit of that drama because we, you know, as we illustrated, it does sort of fizzle out. Even the surrender sort of feels anticlimactic. I really felt like we're, you know, building to that last big hurrah. And then Quinlan's like, who wants to keep fighting? And they're like, we do. And he goes, ah, good thing you don't make the decisions. We're done. Right, right. And I'm like, what? That's it? <laughs> like, it's over? <laughs> um, I really, uh, you know, I, I was surprised that that was it. I was a little disappointed. 
Um, not that I want, uh, you know, that is the story. And that is the, I want them to tell the story, but in certain ways we've seen it play out with other movies. I think you could have, you could add a little bit to it, but ultimately for their purpose, this movie is a huge success. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree. What do you give it? I, I would stick with you on that. I'd go seven out of 10. I, 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 I love it. I watched it again. Oh, I morning. gave it a seven and uh, a half. Seven and a half. Well, okay. I'll, I'll go with that. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I really, I couldn't find anything at fault. And it's, it, it's, you know, I, I, I feel nitpicky in a way pulling at the things that I did, but that would, that would mean I'm not doing my job, <laughs> you know, in reviewing this movie. Yeah. Um, it's an easy watch, right? At yes. the end of the day, if we are well. saying you're, you're looking, well, it, it's an interesting thing to say that, right? Um, at the end of the day, if we're telling you something to watch tonight, I think it's an easy watch as in like, it doesn't really take a lot of effort. It, it elicits a lot of emotion in me, right? Right. But it's a quick watch. The movie moves quick. Nobody you like dies. <laughs> so you don't have to suffer through that. Right. You're not, no horrible deaths. Um, and it, it's, I hate to say fun, but, it's it's a remarkable story and it's a pleasure to watch this story and see what these men did and it's truly remarkable um i was really jacked up after watching i was really angry that they were put through this but i'm just blown away by their 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 uh, their ability and, and and fortitude and luck to get through this um i think that's made evident throughout a couple times where uh, you know a couple mortars didn't go off that would have changed the tide of this for sure mm-hmm. um but uh, it is it's it's something you could put on maybe a sunday afternoon if you're looking for a movie to watch something different definitely worth a watch 100 percent. yeah but definitely make sure you're ready to feel some things and yeah. and i think right and, and the criticisms that i laid out if anything, is just an indication of I just wish I had more. I yeah. just wanted more. And and yes, that that is certainly a bit of a negative, right? Because it, it in a way leaves you wanting more. But at the same time, this movie is so amazing, it leaves you wanting more. And I yeah. think uh, you know, it's 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 not necessarily a good problem to have because you don't really want a problem like this where you feel like a third of the movie is not really <laughs> flushed out. But at the right. same time, like if if what you're doing is leaving people saying, man, I wish they had just given me more, then you, know, you leave them wanting a little bit. Mission accomplished, right? So, yep. you know, it is, yeah, it's a stunning film. It's an incredible story. It's beautifully acted. It's, it's you know, <laughs> mostly well-written. And... Uh, it's an absolute must watch for me. So go yeah. to Netflix me, and check it out. Give me some more, you know, deep cuts, you know, some, some more war stories like this. Let's I'm done retreading, you know, the major stuff. Find more stuff like this. Yeah. The major stuff. Yeah. No, <laughs> I can't watch, you know, world war two stuff one more time. No more. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that pretty much wraps us up here and relatively close to the hour mark, which yeah. is always a win. What else? As always, guys, you can check us out on the website, pausereviews.com, hosted by Podbean, uh, where you can get all of our episodes as well as links to all the libraries that we're in. But, of course, you can always find us wherever you get your podcasts. Um, You can shoot us an email, pausereviews at gmail.com. And hit us up on Instagram. You can shoot us DMs. You can comment on our posts. You can comment on our episode releases. Let us know what you're thinking, what you think about the episode, any questions you have, anything we missed, uh, recommendations, all that stuff. We want to do all of this to spark that dialogue with you guys and give you guys a safe place to come and talk to two other movie nerds who uh, who aren't going to laugh you out the room like your wife does. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Feels too close to home. Oh. Or look at you sideways when you're trying to explain <laughs> the greater geopolitical movement surrounding a war movie that's not about any actual war. <laughs> so, that's so fair. Safe place, guys. It's a safe space. <laughs> um, so hit us up on Instagram at Paused Reviews. Uh, as always, love doing this. Love uh, being here with you guys. 
Join us next week for Instagram Live and every Thursday after that for brand new episodes of the Pause Reviews Podcast. As always, I'm your boy Frank. This is Tim. We will catch you on the next one. Until then, my friends, be safe, have fun, and enjoy that movie. Sweet. (laughs) See ya.